another episode of Deuces Podcast. Guess what? We're just as happy to talk to you just as much as you are to listen to us. Welcome back. It is KJ here with you again from the drive. And I am so fortunate to be joined by Colin Zanker, the voice behind the magic for the DU Pioneers hockey run, specifically. Uh, uh, well, the magic, behind, the magic behind the intermission reports. I mean, I'll tell you, I have some fun with those. If you want some dad jokes and some punny lines, listen in. Listen in. Tune in. I'll be there all weekend, Friday, Saturday, baby. Hey, you can catch him anytime you want throughout the weekend when it comes to DU Hockey on 104.3 The Fan HD3, which you can catch in the Denver Sports app, or you can go to denversports.com. And just click on the link. Yeah, two o'clock, uh, two thirty. Excuse me, t- uh, face off Friday, and I believe it's uh, five thirty Saturday. So yep. it's gonna be fun. There you go, man. Playoff hockey, baby. Dude, it's, it's the gonna, best. It's gonna be a blast, dude. It's gonna be a blast. Du has put together an amazing season. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. When they first got going, I was a little skeptical, but I held strong because I was like, even though the wins don't look crisp. I was like, at some point, I know DU's going to turn it on. And as the season went along, they turned it on just like we expected them to. And at this point, they're basically getting in position to try to repeat. Yeah, and, and they're in a good spot. They're facing CC again this weekend, uh, you know, in-state rivalry, uh, rival. But uh, CC got lucky to be where they're at right now. So DU has a great opportunity to move on to the Frozen Four uh, after this. But they have put together a phenomenal season and. You know, these last two games, they've been missing five key guys. So, a lot of the young guys have stepped up. Absolutely. And speaking of the Frozen Four, the road to the Final Four has finally kicked off in March Madness World, or as some would call it, March Mayhem. I love it. I love the mayhem. Send it. Let's Let's get crazy. (laughs) Dude, check this out. So, as we're looking to get deeper into March Madness here because things are just getting kicked off as we are currently uh, recording this podcast. Man, it's, 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 it's already been interesting. It's already been crazy. But I guess ultimately what I want to ask you is, do you think there is a realistic chance, an underdog, a, small, a, a, a smaller seed, someone who is usually known as putrid? You are a minute <laughs> You are someone who is looked at as just a little puppy on the porch. Yeah, you're not, you're not a the big dog. And you're not a big dog. You know, they told you stay on the porch, and you usually do stay on the porch. You usually stay so, in your little conference over there. Hey, you know. So my question to you is, do you think there's a chance that an underdog could not just upset one of the main cast of characters at the top, but could there be a chance that they could go all the way uh, like a specific team that I know you're going to talk about did a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Butler made a run a few years ago, and that was that was phenomenal. That was fun to watch. What it really is is, you know, it's the same lightning in a bottle. Even a VCU with Shaka Smart, you know, had their runs. But to win it all, um, I, I, I heard this the other day. I believe it was DMAC saying that, you know, he he knew this guy who could take any kids and coach them up and get them to the championship, and then they'd lose. <laughs> and that's what I think a lot of these coaches do in these teams. They coach up their team because there's no doubt there's a plethora of talent at the bigger schools. I mean, they're offering more. 
But what I love is is these upsets in these times, and it's an opportunity. That's all these kids are looking for, and these you know these guys playing these games they're looking for is a chance. Can they win it all? No, but they can make noise, and that's what's fun about March Madness because you're an underdog, you got a chance. You're playing. No, you're right. I I think that's that's an interesting way to look at it. If you have a chance, there's always a chance in regards to looking at the road ahead. If I overcome one hurdle at a time, there's nothing that can stop me except for me because as long as I believe and as long as I'm executing, I'm good. Now, in theory, that all sounds great. Here's the reality. Seeds 9 through 16 in the history of the NCAA March Madness Tournament have never won the championship. Seeds 9 through 16. So why should I magically believe today that a team of that magnitude, of that stature, could magically find themselves in position to... I don't know, squeak out a win and win the big thing. I mean, I mean win, win the big tournament. I don't know. I mean, I I, I, wa- I wasn't going to lay this on you till right now, but oh, you know, there there was a, there was a sixteen. There was a there was never a sixteen that beat a one until Virginia was at three years back. Uh, <laughs> you know, I know Virginia, Virginia had a rough day today, <laughs> but dude, I mean, ne- you know, you never want to say never. But the possibility of it happening, because you have to overcome so many more teams and higher seeds to get there. It, oh, it's yeah. just, you know, in a one-game series, yes. But in a round, you know, round after round or game after game tournament, it's hard to keep that same momentum and not come up against a bus or not have, you know, for these smaller schools, it's typically one, maybe two guys who are – the all-stars, the great guys who can carry them. There are some teams out there that just play really good team basketball, but it's typically that one or two guys that lead, lead those squads. Whereas you go up against some of the blue blood schools, all five of those guys are those guys. Exactly. And that's what makes it difficult. So, like I said, can they? Yeah, it's possible. But, you know, if I, if I were a betting man, I would not choose that way. <laughs> So I would choose the opposite all all the time until it's proven different. And even oh, yeah. then after that, I would continue to choose that. Would I love to see another school, a la Butler, make a run or a Gonzaga before they really became who they are now? Yeah, that would be fun. It's exciting, and it helps those smaller schools. I mean, you've seen some of these schools transform, and you've seen coaches' lives transform right. because of that, too. So, you know. Yeah, I play- know to your point, another team that did that was Wichita State a few yeah, years ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Wichita State. Yep. The Shockers. The Shocker shocked. Well, <laughs> can you be shocked by the Shockers? Yeah, I, this year, no, because they're not in it. You know, they didn't make it, and I ain't well, watching, did, I'm not yeah. watching the NIT. Well, that is very true. I, <laughs> hey, all respect to the teams in the NIT, but, you know, if you didn't make the big dance, uh, well, you know. You know here's your, here's your ribbon. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Look, man, I think you make you, you make some great points there. I think at the end of the day, I'm not going to ever claim that a smaller seed in regards to 9 through 16 specifically can't overcome the odds that they're stacked up against whenever they literally walk into the big dance. But I think it takes so much for you to overcome just what other teams would call the bare minimum that at some point you run out of steam. Like, I know they take it weekend by weekend. So you get through the round of 64 and then the round of 32 in one weekend. 
and Sweet 16 and then the Elite 8 in, the, in another weekend and then the Final Four and then obviously the championship yeah. game. Um, so you have a chance in between uh, two sets of rounds to kind of really catch your breath, which is more than fine, but the only problem is once a team knows who they're playing, they got time to scout you, man. Mm-hmm. They got time to look at you. They understand that this is a game of runs. They understand that, yeah, you're going to be hyped because you are the smaller seed. So you have to puff your chest out a little bit more. It's for your own psyche, not for theirs. And I think at the end of the day, that creates this illusion at times that smaller seeds feel like that they are the big dog. But in reality, one or two upsets that you may get in the tournament does not equate to the long journey, the longevity that it takes to achieve such a feat. And I think that's why I I don't mind rooting for an underdog every once in a while, but I'm not going to root for an underdog often because I usually know how the story ends. Yeah, and, and when I end up getting to my Final Four, you know, I it, I know I want to ask about favorite things about the Final Four, but when I get to my Final Four and all my brackets, it's I never have – uh, you know, a UNC Asheville or a Furman or a blah, blah, blah. I don't have any of these other schools there because I just don't believe that they can withstand those pressures. Exactly. And you, you, the other part, too, is you get so much press after that. When you're not used to dealing with the questions and the press, and even those questions can start to wear on you as a young person. It's like, how, how, do, how did you make it here? It's unbelievable. Aren't you a Cinderella story? And, yeah, you can have the confidence to say, no, we knew we were going to be here. We knew we were this good. But – any seeds of doubt or on the opposite end, it could be seeds of doubt or overanalyzing and trying to overwork to prepare for these other teams. And that's why the coaching is, you know, why some of these guys, even like a Brad Stevens made it to the NBA and even into exec because he was a very good coach and he was able to lead those men and keep them their heads straight. But most of these guys haven't been through that. And their first time through, it's a reason they're an underdog, you know, yep. their first time through. Yeah, they don't yeah, know what to expect. Sure. Gonzaga was an underdog, and now they're a consistent favorite because they've been there and they've been there consistently. So it's that, that's why the one seed, you know, that Cinderella story, it lasts, but it doesn't last forever. Exactly. That's why uh, there's only a movie made about it because, uh, you know, it creates this imagination in your mind that maybe one day that could be me. <laughs> oh, you're telling me there's a chance. There's a chance. <laughs> Well, so I wanted to ask you, though, KJ, what about March Madness? Like, what is your favorite part of it? You know, there, there's so many different things that go on. Or is there a memory that sticks out? Because I know you're a huge ball fan. So. Oh, for sure, man. There's there's literally not a, a, a lick of basketball I won't watch. I, I explained this to D-Mac the other day. Uh, and, well, D-Mac and, and Derek the other day that I don't care if we're talking – fourth grade AAU basketball, if there's ball to be watched, I'm going to watch it. They have fourth grade AAU? You know? (laughs) Well, hey, look. If anyone knows you. (laughs) Well, trust me, they definitely do because they start recruiting like about nine or ten years old. Wow, that's crazy. um, Yeah, that's a whole other story for another Uh, day. (laughs) You don't even want me to get into that. But but as far as March Madness is concerned, man, I think one of my – greatest uh, appreciations about it is that there's literally nothing else like it. Like I know a lot of people try to uh, compare it to maybe like the FIFA world cup or 
maybe, you know, uh, NFL playoff run if you got the right amount of teams. But there's just nothing that's like it, man. I mean, the thrill of being one and done, of watching 64 teams come together from all over the country with one goal in mind, and you literally have no room for error. Every time you step Mm. on the court, you have to give it your best. You have to give it your all. You have to bring the energy, the effort. You have to – you know, be constantly motivated. You can't stay in your head long. You can't let plays replay. You have to live in a moment. You have to keep thinking ahead so that you don't get behind. There's just a lot of nuances that goes into a tournament like this that goes back to our other conversation. Certain teams, if you haven't been through it or you haven't seen it before, there's a chance that when it hits you, you just may not know how to handle it in certain moments, and that's okay. But that's what makes March Madness special. And I want to return that same question to you before I get into specific moments. Yeah, I mean, me, the moments I remember, you know, all the brackets are always fun. It's kind of just all these papers all over. My favorite parts are honestly just kind of picking it up, looking at it, and going with my gut, filling out my bracket. And I remember in, you know, early on in school, you know, elementary school, going into middle school and high school, um, but especially middle school and high school, my teachers would let us watch the games on Thursday and Friday in school. Ah, oh, man, you have some like, nice teachers. I, like, I'm telling you. Let me you, tell you something, man. They would have it on. We would literally not have a class for a day because the games had started. And, you know, it was... It was like two days out of the year because, you know, the rest, you know, it's Thursday, Friday. Those are the only that's, ones that are really daytime. That's it. But it was like two times a year where it would be all of, all these people that, you know, upperclassmen, underclassmen, everyone around different, you know, walks, you know, things right. like that. But we'd all get there and watch it together. Right, right, right. And, you know, it would be fun to talk, you know, talk smack. Well, hey, I, I chose them. What do you, What were you thinking choosing them? You know, and go the back and forth and just a little bit of that camaraderie. But the chance, you know, anytime I could miss school as a kid, I, I took uh, as a bonus. But uh, to miss school and watch sports? Hey, so you and up, every Johnny. other kid. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was kind of one of those things that always cemented March for me was just being around people. But, you know, being able to literally turn everything else off and it's like, it's March Madness. Like this is this is the only thing going on, mm-hmm. you know, from ten a.m. Mountain Time until ten, you know, nine thirty, basically Mountain Time. That's when the games are over. There's a little two hour break or hour break in the middle. It's all college basketball all day for the first weekend, and that is so much fun. I couldn't agree more. That's that's one of the coolest things about it is that it is there's so much to look forward to. So many little nuances that really makes that weekend and just makes the entire tournament so special and so unique in its own right. And I think to your point, there's always that moment of like, you know, I guess I'll say gratitude and appreciation that you have to be able to like really take in something like this because truth, truth be told, there are a lot of playoff formats out there between all of the millions of sports that Mm -hmm. we have now to come up with something where everything is built around being one and done. I don't think there's anything like it, man. I think there's just a special feel to it that every moment you look up, there's a chance for a buzzer beater. There's a chance for an upset. 
when you look at March Madness, what makes March Madness so special takes me back to, I want to say it was 2021, when Jalen Suggs comes down the court in OT and banks in that 30-foot three-point shot and sends Gonzaga to the big game. And that's where my uh, my initial hatred for UCLA started. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, man. Um, so anytime you guys hear me talk about UCLA, whether it's on this podcast or, or on the drive, that's where my hatred came because uh, there's just something about UCLA, man. I just hate them. I just I don't like their faces. Um, I don't know <laughs> if I don't like their colors or their jerseys, but it starts with their faces, and then everything else is kind of added from there. So – that moment in itself, and then obviously going back to 2011, the Kimball Walker run. Mm, that, yeah, was that was special, fun. man. Special, special, special. That is kind of what you talked about, catching that lightning in the bottle. Yeah. Because you just never know. You may have been struggling throughout the season, but you catch the right seed at the right time, and you get inside of the right region in the right you know portion of the bracket at the right time, and then pop goes the weasel. Yeah, and that and that really is great. You know, you talked about Kemba Walker, and Kemba Walker Walker was able to make a really career out of that. Not knowing, I didn't, I don't know if he was going to be quite the NBA player, but he really was able to make the career out of being there in that finals run. Yeah, and these guys, it's so cool to see. You know, these young men and women in the women's bracket, you know, go really, you know, star in their own show. You mm-hmm. know, at times, Th- this is something that. All of these people have worked so long for, and you know it, the heartbreak is there, but there's a success, and there's the joy of being there and being there as a team, and seeing those accomplishments and those celebrations. It's so pure and genuine. Literally, you said it, March Madness. It, to make it something, it's perfect. You can't really make a better contest than what March Madness is. You look at it. You every once in a while you hear, "Oh, we should add more teams," but there's never really serious talks about that changing. Right. No, I definitely So agree. good. Yeah, it is, it is so good. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think as long as March Madness understands that they have a recipe and a formula that works and that it will continue to work pretty much to the end of time, don't mess with yeah, it. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like Popeye's chicken. You know what I mean? Like, they got the right formula. Don't mess with the formula, man. It's it's, 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 it's good chicken. Yeah. Just like March Madness is good to our soul. Yes. With that being said, we talk about souls. We talk about recipes. We talk about formulas. And the Broncos have been entrenched in free agency here lately in March. And um, let's just say they're trying to build their own new recipe because last year was a disaster. Everybody spat that food out, and they're about to vomit it every time we turn on the TV. We had to. I'm a like, chef. I wouldn't serve that recipe well, to anyone. Listen, not only would I have served it, I would have ripped it up. I don't even know who approved it. Um, whoever approved that recipe needs to be fired. But that guy is still. I, I think under he's contract. in New York. So well, uh, maybe. Uh, oh no! no. I, I know the other he, one who he, approved he it. Co- he cooked the recipe. <laughs> yeah, you know, but the guy who approved the recipe to even be presented to the staff in the kitchen, a.k.a. the players, yeah. needs to be, you know, let go. But I like George Payton. Um, I just don't know what he was thinking when he made that hire. That's another conversation. Yeah, I was going to say day. that. That's, that's... Um, focusing strictly on free agency. <laughs> um, 
We got we got Cam. I'm sorry, Ben Powers. Ben mm-hmm. Powers. Uh, we got Mike McGlinchey. We got um, Chris Manhurts. Yep, Chris Manhurts. We brought back Alex Singleton. Yes, um, not we. The Broncos. The Broncos. The Broncos brought back Alex Singleton. Well, little Jordan Humphrey. Little Jordan Humphrey. I, oh my God. This is silly. <laughs> um, <laughs> we uh, the the Broncos. They brought back. Um, oh my goodness! Oh, they picked up Samaj P. Yes, Ryan. Samaj P. Ryan. That's exactly who I was thinking about. And Zach Allen. Oh yes. Yeah, so these are the main core guys. There's a couple of other, you know, names that they they picked up as well, but these are, you know, the majority of the core guys that they picked up here during the free agency period. No more Draymond Jones. Uh obviously uh Darby mm-hmm. and Reisner and uh, I could almost assume some tight ends at some point yeah. like Andrew Beck. Uh he he's gone. Um Obviously, Boone is going. Marlon Calvin Mack, Anderson just Calvin signed. Anderson. I want to say Patriots. Uh, Patriots, or, yeah. yeah. So there are several guys that were backups and that played significant roles last year that are no longer with the Broncos. But that goes back to my original setup. There's a new recipe here. There's a new formula that is being formulated. And Sean Payton is at the head of this thing. So what do you think about the Broncos' free agency moves right now and how much closer to reality are they now compared to where they were a year ago? That is the perfect way to set up because you said it. You said these players who were backups and played significant roles are no longer here anymore. They played significant roles on a team that underperformed and underachieved you know, by all stretches, and, you know, you could put injuries and everything else on the table. The bottom line is they did not put a good product on the field or on the table if we're using the cooking analogy. You know, that food was bad. They did not do good. So those guys that are gone, they're gone. So be it. You were not part of winners. None of those guys on this team that were on this team that are gone now were part of a winning tradition. And yet the Broncos are bringing in Amy Glinchy, who was part of San Francisco and a winner. Ben Powers from Baltimore, who was a winner. Uh, I know Singleton came here from Philadelphia, and he experienced a little bit of their winning. But Samaj P. Ryan from the Bengals. You're bringing t- guys who have been on winners. So I like that they've filled and they've addressed needs. They haven't just added to something. Oh, well, we're good here, and this is the best available player. Let's go after blank. You know, I I really wish, man, I really wish Darius Slay would have come available and it would have been Slay and Patrick Sertan on the outside. I mean, that secondary would be dirty if they could have swung that one. But I don't think the Broncos are looking to put that much money in in, in that secondary ever again. They probably regret the amount they got in there now. Yeah, 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 with Darby being gone. But it's, I, I really like what they've done. But the way I look at it, though, is that you look at the amount of money that they've spent, and then you look just a few years back for the Patriots. They basically broke the record for the most money ever spent in free agency. And that made them, that took them from a seven win team to a 10 win team. It was a three run differential because of free agency. So I don't view these pickups, while they are important in their pieces and their pieces to fix the puzzle, these aren't like three win fixers. You know, I don't think any of these guys individually or even collectively mean three more wins for the Broncos. I do think that maybe 
it's not this year, but it is in one more year still because you can start to see Sean Payton filling the holes. Okay, what's weak this year? Tackles are weak. They're probably not going to get a tackle in the third round. Oh, let's go get let's go get McGlinchey and fill that hole right there. Oh, guard. We're probably not going to get a good guard as good as Powers in the third, fourth round. Let's go get him. You know, so we'll probably see. My guess is a center, a left guard, or even. Don't be surprised at left tackle. Nobody, I don't think Sean Payton is going to sit around and watch Bulls get holding penalty after holding penalty. And I know it's gotten better, but I don't think he's going to sit there and let him do that and hurt his offense and put his offense behind the sticks. So don't be surprised if something along those lines comes down. I thought they were going to go try and get another left tackle and even possibly get rid of Bulls after this year or move Bulls somewhere. But I like the pieces that they're putting in place. I still don't think it's really a recipe for this year. This might add up to one more win, maybe two more wins. But getting Samaj P. Ryan also tells me, eh, hold, hold your horses on Javante being that stud you know, three down back anymore because Samaje Samaje is a, a a man back there. No, you're absolutely right, and you led me right into where I was getting ready to go. Is I think the Broncos are letting everyone know that they are setting up to be a run first team. Mm. They're not waiting around for Russell Wilson to figure it out or seeing what all the pass catchers can and can't do. You're either going to do your job or you're going to get cut. That is the way Sean Payton has always been. That's part of coming from the Bill Parcells tree, it's you have to get with the program or you're going to get left. And that's okay. It's okay to tell guys that you're not good enough. It's okay to tell guys that, man, it's time for you to go find a new home. We love what you did for us, but it's time for you to go somewhere else. It doesn't mean that I love you any less, and it doesn't mean that you didn't mean anything to the Broncos or to Broncos country. But what it does mean specifically is that what we are trying to create here, you don't fit that anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Because I don't think the Broncos have heard that enough lately. Is that you are a good player, but your level of greatness just doesn't belong here. It doesn't fit into the new fold and formula that we're trying to create. And I and I think in all honesty, not just sports, but this can span even further. I think that we need a lot more honesty in everything that's going on. Because I tell people all the time in the kitchen, I'm like, just because I yell at you, just because I tell you that you screwed up and you did something wrong, doesn't mean that I hate you. It means that this is wrong, this needs to be fixed. And it's the same thing in, you know, friendships, relationships, like, hey, something is wrong. And, and and when you say that and you say, hey, this just isn't good enough for me, it's not saying, hey, I hate you. It's just like, hey, it's not good enough. I can't I can't deal with that right now. It's not I can't have that as part of what I'm doing, whether it be part of this team, part of this work, part of this life. I can't have that around because it's just not where I expected or want it to be. Like I said, it's not that I hate you. It's just that it can't be a part of where I am right now. And that's where the Broncos are. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're building a foundation. And right. if you can't be part of this foundation – and see the bigger picture, you're probably not hanging around. Now, you hit the nail on the head, and that's what you're ready to put a bowl on this thing. I think what's interesting is sometimes in life, what you come to find out is you can't always have your cake and eat it too. Mm. Because in the perfect world, you'd be able to keep everybody and add everybody and 
plug them in and say, hey, you're a starter. You're a starter. Wait, I, how does that work? Don't worry about it. You're a starter too. Right. You know, just make everybody happy, and that'll make the world go round. Well, that's not how life works. And I think the Broncos have started to do what I would famously call a mind switch, where it's like, okay, I mentally understand now that if I am going to not only be on this field but be a part of this team, be a part of this culture – I've got to win. I've got to want to win, and I've got to be a part of a winning culture mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Habits creates culture, and I think the habits that you embrace will ultimately decide the culture that you create. Yeah, and the, and the culture now, you know, it, now at the Broncos facility is not just, hey, we'll do better next time. It's, hey, do better next time. It's not, we will, you know, try and do better. You better do better. Right. That that's what it is. No more these opportunities because, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. <laughs> you but, know? Yeah. The whole that whole thing. And and the Broncos did that with plenty of opportunities for a lot of those guys. And Calvin Anderson, unfortunately, was one of those guys who got opportunities everywhere. Right. But couldn't take a hold of anything. And that that was the in a nutshell, the problem with the team. So many guys with opportunities who couldn't take advantage of them, including coaching staff, including the coaching staff last year. Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head, man. There were so many problems top to bottom. But at the end of the day, stability is here for the Denver Broncos. So kudos to Sean Payton for getting this uh, free agency underway. Uh, George Payton and Sean Payton will begin to soon collaborate on what's next for the NFL draft. And we'll continue that coverage while also ramping up for Nuggets, Avs, and we're getting ready to put a bow on DU hockey here within the next few weeks. Uh, so sad, but at the end of the day, we know that when it's all said and done, they will be back-to-back champions. Let's go. Let's go. So we want to thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Producers Podcast. We will catch you next time on the Producers Podcast. You guys have a great rest of your day. See ya.